0: Uh, good afternoon welcome to the bible quest tuesday edition um, we're thankful for y'all joining us today, uh, on our live show. Um, and today, uh, you can follow along with us. We're going to be, uh, discussing in Jeremiah, so you can be opening up your Bibles and following along in Jeremiah. We'll be there looking at a few texts there, uh, in just a few minutes. Um, but first let me bring in the, uh, other panelists. Uh, Drew is not with us today. Uh, so it's just going to be me. I'm Jonathan and we've got Scott Smelser with us. How are you doing today, Scott? I'm doing well, Jonathan. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. i um, feeling a whole lot better. I'm finally starting to get over the COVID uh, that, that I had and all the symptoms. So my cough is almost non-existent, which I'm thankful for. Um, that's good news. Um, <clears throat> so um, Jeremiah, um, whenever I think about Bible characters, um, that I, I don't know, maybe like, uh, I would aspire to be like, or that maybe I'd want to spend some time with, or things like that. Um, usually I think of like, you know, the Abrahams or the Moses or Joseph or, 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 you know, spending time with Jesus or Paul, or people like that. My mind usually doesn't go to Jeremiah, uh, being one of the guys that like, I really want to, I really want to have Jeremiah's life, or I really want to spend some time with Jeremiah, or, or anything like that. But reading through his story, wow, there are a lot of really valuable lessons to learn from Jeremiah and his experiences and, and, and how he responds to those experiences and different things like that. Um, he had a really tough life and a really tough duty that was charged to him. Uh, and that's what we're going to start discussing this afternoon. So Scott, you want to kind of set the background for Jeremiah and what's going on there?
1: All right. So Jeremiah did have a tough life not for wimps was the life of Jeremiah. But there's a lesson there. Not for wimps. Spiritual wimps is to be the life of a disciple. And so let's be challenged by him. First off, uh, Jonathan, is the timeline shown on my screen right now? Can you see that? Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're good. So here's just a kind of a brief timeline of the Bible. And Jeremiah lives of course, after, uh, long after Abraham, long after the law of Moses, long after the judges, and they've been in the land, long after the United Kingdom. He lives in the days after the divided kingdom has only one kingdom left. Israel has already been, uh, uh, well, actually this is, uh, um let me, uh, yeah, Israel has fallen back in 722, and he's uh, down here in Judah, and he is trying to warn the people of Judah that the same thing is going to happen to them that happened to Israel. Uh, And he's warning them that they're going to be taken away into Babylon, and it's gonna be really bad, but he promises that after 70 years, there will be a return. So it's in this time period here, we are concerned. Here's some historical artifacts from the time. Here's a Babylonian record of when they come and uh, destroy uh, Jerusalem and take Jehoiakim away prisoner. He's taken there. Here's the ration tablet uh, from Babylon. Uh, of Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, after he'd been taken captive, they're taken to Babylon. Um, Back at the covenant of Sinai, I remember there were blessings and cursings if you live like you're supposed to and follow me and obey, here's blessings, but if you don't, here's cursings, and that included. their enemies taking them away, being taken to a place where they don't know the language and the, the various things uh, of destruction. Um, here's some of the last kings. I'm not going to go over that in detail right now, except to say so Josiah was the last good king, and uh, he and uh, Jeremiah overlapped. Josiah was a good king, and they found the law, and he called for reforms, but the people didn't very well reform on the inside. And after he dies, his son is a wicked king. Uh, ne- Pharaoh Nico deposes him, I've got that misspelled, and puts in Jehoiakim. They're, they're kind of in between Egypt and, and other powers at this time They make some mistakes in alliances. Um, then Jehoiakim is there, then Jehoiakim, son of Jehoiakim, he's the one that gets taken away in the ration tablets, then they put in Zedekiah, he's the uncle of Jehoiakim, and he's going to rebel against Babylon, uh, and then Babylon doesn't put up with that, they destroy Jerusalem, they put out his eyes after he watches his sons be killed, so the last thing he ever sees is his sons being executed, and then his eyes are put out. Key events, and then we'll turn it back over to Jonathan, 627 is when Jeremiah is called. So this is about 100 years after the fall of Israel that he's called. 621 was when the book of law was discovered, society's reforms. 612, Nineveh, the capital of Assyria, falls to Babylon. So Babylon is now big dog on the block. Um, then this is when Pharaoh Nico, uh, depo- uh deposes, uh, the one brother puts the others in, uh, and then we have 605, Egypt routed by Babylon at Carchemish. Um, some of the Jews were putting their trust in Egypt. Then he subdues Judah, and then there's the alliance with Egypt that brings reprisals on Judah. Jerusalem besieged, Jehoiakim deported, Zedekiah put on the throne. Then he breaks with Babylon, sides with Egypt, besieged for 18 months in 588, and then Jerusalem is destroyed and the captives and the plunder. All right, so during this time, Jeremiah's message to the people is, you have sinned, you are wicked, you have been violating God's law, and you're going to be punished, and you might as well take it. Mm -hmm. Uh, So when you were ever a little kid, and you're both in trouble, and you're trying to tell your brother let's we got this coming (laughs) let's take our spanking and he decides he's either going to lie or run or claim he didn't it's not going to do any good he's not going to avoid punishment jeremiah's in the role of saying we've got this coming and people don't like hearing that yeah very patriotic
0: yeah yeah and so this is a obviously a pretty tumultuous time in Israel's history um, with especially their relationship with God and how things are going. And so when Jeremiah is called in Jeremiah chapter one, as Jeremiah one and verse nine, <clears throat> the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth, uh, speaking to Jeremiah and the Lord said to me, behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have set you this day over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and break down to destroy and overthrow to build and to plant. So Jeremiah, is put in this position by the Lord to speak the Lord's judgments, his, his will, his word on the nations that are, uh, you know, not doing what the Lord expects. Among those are Judah uh, and the nation of Israel and what they're doing, but there are going to be other nations that Jeremiah will also prophesy against. Um, And when Jeremiah is doing that down later on in Jeremiah chapter one in verse 17, the Lord tells him, you dress yourself for work. Arise and say to them, everything that I command you, do not be dismayed by them, lest I dismay you before them. And I, behold, I make you this day a fortified city, an iron pillar, and a bronze wall against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, its officials, its priests, and the people of the land. They will fight against you, but they shall not prevail against you, for I am with you, declares the Lord to deliver you. So there you see just kind of a general summary of what Jeremiah's task is going to be. He He's going to be set up as one that is 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 dutied with communicating the lord's will and the lord's dissatisfaction with the behavior of israel and judah and they're going to fight against him they're going to be upset with him Um, and that's really kind of the whole story of jeremiah i mean jeremiah is a really thick book a long read but that's basically what happens jeremiah tells the people what the lord wants them to hear that they've they've messed up they've fallen short and then the people persecute him and attack him and try to destroy him in various different ways. And we're going to look at a few of those different ways and just see kind of the extreme level of persecution that Jeremiah really had to face um, and and some of his responses to that and how he kind of felt about that um, and then kind of make some applications for ourselves at the end uh, and and our position and what the Lord expects of us. So as we're going through that members in our audience. If you have comments or questions or thoughts about any of that uh, or, or anything else that you'd like us to discuss, you can submit that in the, in the Q&A on Zoom or, or comment on the Facebook page, and we'll be happy to make it to your comments as we're moving through in that direction. Go ahead, Scott. I want to pose a question or we get into the text to just imagine. Imagine
1: that you are a prophet of God today, and God told you the United States is going to be judged all your wickedness and crimes and sins you're going to be judged and let's just pick China North Korea Iran Russia one of these you're you're going to be taken captive by them they're going to go to war with you they're going to defeat you and they're going to haul you away as captives how popular a message would that be among Americans
0: yeah they wouldn't like that at all
1: yeah yeah and so there were other false prophets saying, peace, peace. And Jeremiah's saying, no, no, you're, you're not going to win. And others saying, well, we can trust in Egypt. No, no. And so he's really hated for his message. All right, go ahead.
0: Yeah, and that's kind of a common theme with with really all of the prophets. Um, whenever they had something really hard to say, that that message of discipline and you need to repent and you're not doing things right, that's not oftentimes received well. I can think of one example, actually, in the prophets of when that's actually received well in Haggai's day, whenever Haggai goes to the people and he tells them that they need to repent and start putting God first. and Haggai chapter two, it looks like for at least for a time they listen to Haggai which is atypical of Israel um, in in that situation um, but encouraging at least that for at least one portion of their history they do listen and 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 receive correction in a good way um, but here in Jeremiah's story that's not what happens and so because Jeremiah has such a hard and and difficult message to hear. He's not popular, and he actually develops quite a few enemies along the way. So I want to look at at one instance, um, and we'll keep going down through some of these different uh, scenarios and stories and looking at what happens to Jeremiah. Uh, In Jeremiah chapter 11, um, I'll just read in, um, uh, really the, the whole chapter, uh, kind of needs to be read for the whole context, but I'm just going to read one specific thing and kind of explain, um, what's going on in verse 21 of Jeremiah 11, the Lord uh, is speaking to Jeremiah again. He says, therefore, thus says the Lord concerning the men of Ananoth." Who seek your life and say, do not prophesy in the name of the Lord or you will die by our hand. Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, behold, I will punish them. The young men shall die by the sword, their sons and their daughters shall die by famine, and none of them shall be left for I will bring disaster upon the men of Anathoth the year of their punishment. So what had happened, Jeremiah had been prophesying and teaching for a while until finally a group of people, this specific group, the the men of Anathoth, who are described here, have kind of taken a vow almost similar to what happened to Paul uh, in in his ministry whenever he gets to Jerusalem and is arrested. They've taken a vow where they said, we're going to kill Jeremiah. We're going to silence him. We've told him, you need to stop. Speaking in the name of the Lord. And that's something that happens. Like I said, I mentioned Paul, you remember the 40 men that take an oath to kill Paul. um, and, And they're not going to eat or drink until he's dead. I imagine because the Lord protects Paul, either those men got really, really hungry, or they broke their oath. Um, because Paul doesn't die by their hand uh, in that instance. But Jeremiah is facing that similar type of response here. And imagine, like we'll put ourselves again, like what Scott was saying, imagine putting yourself in Jeremiah's position, where you're speaking a message, and, and, and you're representing the Lord. And the response that you get is not, oh, wow, good sermon or, or wow that's really encouraging wow you're right you know thanks thanks for you know spending your time in in learning that and sharing that with me but instead the response you get is if you don't stop talking like that we're gonna kill you <laughs> like wow <laughs> um what would that make your your average person do okay <laughs> you know yeah. my bad sorry uh I'm gonna stop but Jeremiah doesn't do that he keeps persevering through that uh, even through the death threats and and people trying to silence him um, but it's not just verbal threats that Jeremiah gets. Um, That would be hard to deal with. That would be really difficult, I think, for any of us to kind of cope with if somebody was telling us, if you don't stop talking about God, we're going to kill you and and just verbally say that. But it goes a step further with Jeremiah. So in Jeremiah chapter 19, well, Scott, did you want to say something before we go there?
1: Yes. And what's significant about that was Anathoth? Where have we seen Anathoth earlier in the book of Jeremiah? Back in chapter 1, the words of Jeremiah, uh, one of the priests who were in Anathoth. Mm. So that that's where he's at. And remember, Jesus says, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country. Uh, he's there among the people that he's around, and he starts with this bad message, and they want to shut him up. Let me give a, a similar thing. We talked yesterday about this. There's a church in Georgia that... Uh, has been trying to correct uh, a member of that church who left her husband, forced her husband, and took up a lesbian lifestyle. And when they wrote her a letter, she put it on Twitter, and then it made the news, the international news. Yesterday, I found out that one of those elders has now lost his job. He was, I think that's a high up official or a high up person in a company based in Finland. In Finland, they had companies dropping them because they employed this guy who took a stand against sin. And so immediately right away they've just they've just dropped him. He's 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 lost his job just like that. Now Jeremiah's gonna lose a lot more. But when you stand for truth and it's not the truth people wanna hear, don't be surprised when they don't like it.
0: Yeah, Yeah, and um, a couple of comments that, that have come in. Um, Patrick said Jeremiah, or uh, excuse me, Second Timothy four verse three was evidently true about the children of God back then also. And Second Timothy four in uh, verse three uh, says, "For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions." And yeah, absolutely right. That's what you see with the people of of uh, Israel, and sp- specifically in one story, um, not even really seeking their own teachers, but just wanting to cut out the message of God in whatever way possible. And we'll see that happen to Jeremiah, um, here in just a little bit. Um, but back to some of the things. So he, he, he endures verbal persecution and threats against his life and things like that, but also physical persecution against him in, uh, Jeremiah chapter 18, um, or excuse me in Jeremiah chapter, uh, 19 and verse 14, Um, This is the message that kind of sets up the story. Uh, Jeremiah came from Topheth, where the Lord had sent him to prophesy. This is Jeremiah 19, verse 14. And he stood in the court of the Lord's house, and he said to all the people, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I am bringing upon this city and upon all the towns all the disaster that I have pronounced against it, because they are stiff-necked, refusing to hear my words. So that's the message. That's what Jeremiah is coming to say, and to tell them you're going to be punished because you've been stubborn and stiff-necked, and you're not listening to the Lord. And here's the response that he gets in chapter 20, chapter 20, verse one. Now, Pasher, the priest, the son of Immer, who was chief officer in the house of the Lord, heard Jeremiah prophesying these things. And then Pasher beat Jeremiah, the prophet, and put him in the stocks that were in the upper Benjamin gate of the house of the Lord. So not only is Jeremiah getting told, you need to stop saying that or we're going to kill you. But now there are even religious leaders. There are the priests that are coming to him and saying, you need to stop and then also physically beating him and putting him in the stocks. Wow. Um, so it's escalating and escalating and escalating more and more uh, of of what's happening to Jeremiah uh, in, in this situation. And really, that makes sense. Um, that if you continue to stand up for what the Lord wants you to do, and and continue speaking the words of the Lord, uh, if there are, you know, people that are of the disposition where they don't want to listen to God, uh, and they don't want to submit themselves to him, and they're going to persecute you, then the more that you stand up for what you believe in, the harder the persecution is going to get. Um, And it makes sense that it works in that way. Um, There's an example that I often bring up, uh, sometimes that really impacted me, I can't remember who pointed it out to me. But in Revelation chapters two and three, Jesus is, is sending out the letters to the seven churches. Um, and most of the churches kind of receive, uh, uh, you're doing this right, but you have this to work on, but persevere and overcome, and then you'll be blessed. Um, some of the churches are doing really, really well, and Jesus doesn't have anything wrong to say about them. But then there's one church in particular, um, the church at Smyrna, who uh, isn't doing well at all and uh, they have a reputation of being alive, but they're actually dead. And that church is not suffering any persecution, at least according to what Jesus says. They don't ha- they're not told to endure through persecution. And I get the idea that the reason why that is, is because they're not really zealous for the Lord. And so why would they need to be persecuted? Why would they, ne- why would Satan need to spend any time trying to tear them down and attack them? But here Jeremiah is, Whenever he's threatened, he continues to speak. And so they need to ramp up the persecution. And you see that happen with the apostles as well. From Acts chapter 4 into Acts chapter 5. First in Acts chapter 4, they're threatened. Then in Acts chapter 5, they're beaten. And then later on, they'll be killed. Uh, and it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse for them.
1: Yeah, to, to your point there about Sardis, the Bible says all that live godly will suffer persecution. It doesn't say the... You know the negligent and the the lukewarm are going to suffer persecution Uh, and and you look at this persecution here so there's the beating which would have been all the physical pain but what stocks did they put him in in the upper benjamin gate of the house of the lord that's a public spot it's just to shame him so you know i think about you see a criminal and there's the perp walk and when there's cameras what's the criminal often doing trying to cover himself. Mm -hmm. You know, they're just a shame. And that's, they're trying to inflict this shame on him. They're trying to, they're they're beat him. They're trying to embarrass him. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. And uh, Sandra said, it's so easy for us to say that we trust in the Lord. But if we had to face what Jeremiah faced, would we really trust and do, uh, and to do what that level of trust requires. And, you know, yeah, man, Um, there are gonna be some times we'll notice that Jeremiah really, really struggles with, the, the task and the mission that he has, but he continues to trust in the Lord and commit himself to him regardless of the, the level of pushback that he gets from different people. Um, and Holly also said the capacity for humans to ignore things and tenaciously hang on to the idea that their indifference makes the object of it disappear or become irrelevant or powerless or untrue. Um, and yeah, that's often how people receive, you know, that, that teaching the truth. Um, and, uh, And Jeremiah received that lash back uh, in his life um, whenever he was speaking the truth about the Lord. Um, So he is threatened. Um, He is beaten. He's publicly humiliated, put in the stocks. And then um, whenever he tries maybe a different tactic to communicate God's word, he's just outright, outright totally rejected. In Jeremiah chapter 36, we don't have time to read the whole chapter. Um, but Jeremiah has his uh, scribe, Baruch, um, to write a scroll for him and send it to the king. Um, and he you know, transcribes all the things that Jeremiah wants him to say um, and deliver it to the king. And we'll just go down to the king's response in Jeremiah 36. Um, in Jeremiah 36 and verse 20, um, they went into the court of the king, having put the scroll in the chamber of Elishama the secretary, and they reported all the words to the king. And then the king sent Jehudi to get the scroll. And he took it from the chamber of Elishama the secretary, and Jehudi read it to the king and all of the officials who stood beside the king. So seems pretty good so far. It's like, oh, they're actually reading the message. They actually are kind of curious as to, you know, what Jeremiah wants to say to them, and what the Lord's message is to them. But then here's what happens in verse 22, it was the ninth month and the king was sitting in the winter house and there was a fire burning in the fire pot before him. And as Jehudi read three or four columns, the king would cut them off with a knife and throw them into the fire pit in the fire pot until the entire scroll was consumed in the fire and uh, that it was in the firepod, And yet neither the king nor any of his servants who heard all of the words was afraid, nor did they tear their garments. Even when uh, El Nathan and Delanea and Gamaria urged the king not to burn the scroll, he would not listen to them. And the king commanded uh, Jeremiel, the king's son, and Sariah, the son of Azrael, and Shalimiah, the son of uh, Abdeel, to seize Baruch, the secretary of Jeremiah, the prophet, but the Lord hid them. So now the response that Jeremiah is getting, first he's threatened uh, with murder, then he's beaten, then he's humiliated, and now trying to send, you know, this letter, this scroll to appeal to the king and the officials, um, they get it, and then they just cut it up, tear it up, and throw it in the fire, and they don't even want to listen to it at all. Um, And that's a response that people often have sometimes, which is really sad and really, almost childish in a way. Um, you remember in Acts chapter seven, whenever Stephen is preaching his sermon, and he basically says the same thing, the same message that Jeremiah has. God has been patient with you. He's He's you know sent all the prophets to you, and you didn't listen to them, and you continue to not listen to them. You're a stiff-necked people, uncircumcised of heart, and you need to repent. And you remember what was the response that the people have in in Acts seven? They they, st- they stop their ears, and they scream, and they run, and they kill Stephen. And it, it's kind of like that, that childish response of like, la, 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 I can't hear you, I don't want to hear you kind of thing. That's the type of people that Jeremiah is talking to and trying to deal with. And then they also go and seek to arrest him and throw him in prison or, or whatever again. But the Lord hides him in this instance, and he doesn't have to go through that physical aspect again. Interestingly enough, you would think... If that's the kind of people that Jeremiah is talking to, and he's just sent a letter to the king, and that's how it was received, what would you expect the Lord would require of Jeremiah to do after that? It's not exactly what I would expect he does require Jeremiah to do after that. He tells Jeremiah in uh, verse 27, now, after the king had burned the scroll with the words that Baruch wrote at Jeremiah's dictation, uh, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, take another scroll. And write on it the former words that were on the first scroll, which Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, burned. And concerning Jehoiakim, king of Judah, you shall say, thus says the Lord, you have burned this scroll, saying, why have you written in it that the king of Babylon will certainly come and destroy this land and will cut off from it man and beast? Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning Jehoiakim, king of Judah, he shall have none to sit on the throne of David, and his dead body shall be cast out as a heat by day and frost by night, and I will punish him with his offspring and his servants and their iniquity. And I will bring upon them and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem and upon and upon the people of Judah and all the disaster that I've pronounced against them, but they would not hear. So, Jeremiah sends his first letter. It's received, it's read, it's cut up, and it's burned. And then the Lord says, go write it again, (laughs) and then add an epilogue to it that's more specific and pointed to Jehoiakim and what's going to specifically happen to Jehoiakim because he wouldn't listen to that. And that's the position that I think Christians find themselves in sometimes as well. You go and you speak the truth and people don't want to hear it. Well, what are you supposed to do? Continue to speak the truth, whether they want to hear it and listen to it or not. Continue to spread the truth to them um, and and put ourselves in that position. That's what the Lord expected of Jeremiah to do. And that's a hard and difficult thing whenever people clearly don't want to listen or hear. Um, It's easy to maybe just kind of tone it down or, or, or back off or not want to stick to our guns but that's not what the Lord instructs Jeremiah to do. He tells him, keep on doing the same thing that you've been doing. Go ahead,
1: make One distinction here, mm-hmm. and that is, Jeremiah is a prophet called to deliver this message to sure. yeah, right. people, and this message was to be to the king. Uh, when we're dealing with the world, Jesus tells us in Matthew 7, sure. you know, don't cast your uh, pearls before swine. But when the swine is the king of Israel, <laughs> and, you know, you're told to make the message. Um, it's real challenging. Now, I want to throw out a question for later, if we have time to get to it, after you mm-hmm. go through this material. I'd like the audience to be thinking about what are some ways in which we can cut up the word of God and throw it into a fire? Because this is pretty brazen. You know, he's, he's not pretending to honor the word of the prophet here. He just cuts it out throws it in the fire, Uh, and some people are that brazen today, but we can do all sorts of other tactics of ways when we don't want to listen to the word.
0: I'd like the audience to be thinking about that, and if we have time at the end, we can discuss that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure, yeah, and then one more thing, and there there are more things that Jeremiah goes through, but one more thing that I'll I'll mention, um, one more persecution he goes through is in chapter 38, Uh, Jeremiah 38 in verse Um, 1, well, I'll start in verse 2, Um, Thus says the Lord. Uh, this is Jeremiah talking and saying to all the people, "Thus says the Lord: He who stays in this city shall die by the sword, by famine, by pestilence. But he who goes out to the Chaldeans shall live, and he shall have his life as a prize of war and live." Thus says the Lord: This city shall surely be given into the hand of the army of the king of Babylon and be taken. Then the official said to the king, "Let this man be put to death, for he is uh, weakening the hands of the soldiers who are left in the city and the hands of all of the people by speaking such words to them. For this man is not seeking the welfare of the people, but their harm." And King Zedekiah said, behold, he is in your hands for the king can do nothing against you. So they took Jeremiah and cast him into the cistern of Macaliah, the king's son, which is in the outer court of the guard, letting Jeremiah down by ropes. And there was no water in the cistern, but only mud and Jeremiah sank in the mud. So they kind of put him in isolation. (laughs) Um, Now he's saying that same thing that like what Scott was saying, um, where, you know, God is coming to punish you. And you just need to get ready to take it. And it's not a popular message for people to hear. And they want to do something about it. So they just throw him in a cistern, leave him down there. And he's actually rescued um, by someone later on in that chapter. But he's left there in the cistern um, with, with no water and sinking in the mud, just in isolation by himself. We'll just cut him off and get him away from all of the people so they don't have to listen to him anymore. That's the response that Jeremiah gets largely in, in his, his commission to go and speak to the people of Israel its rejection and threats and and you know plots of murder and throwing in prison and beatings and all of that type of stuff. Now Jeremiah struggles through that in certain situations. And I want want to look at two examples of that because the call that we have to persevere through persecution and continue to speak the truth It's a difficult task, and it's going to affect us, and it's going to be hard. It's not all going to be sunshine and daisies, and it wasn't like that for Jeremiah either. He had some moments where he was really, really struggling emotionally and mentally with this charge that God had given him, Um, so I want to look at two of those. First one's in Jeremiah chapter 20. In Jeremiah 20, in verse 7, Jeremiah says, "'Oh, Lord, you have deceived me, and I was deceived.' You are stronger than I, and you have prevailed. I have become a laughingstock all the day. Everyone mocks me. For whenever I speak out, I cry out, I shout violence and destruction, for the word of the Lord has come before me, a reproach and a derision all day long. If I say I will not mention him or speak of him anymore in his name, there is in my heart, as it were, a burning fire shut up in my bones, and I am weary of holding it in, and I cannot. For I hear many whisperings, terror on every side, denounce him, let us denounce him, say uh, all of my close friends watching for my fall. Perhaps he will be deceived, then we can overcome him and take our revenge on him. So you see the struggle that Jeremiah has, where first he he says, you know, I've been deceived. (laughs) You know, this is a lot harder than what I thought it would be. You know, I'm out here speaking the truth and speaking destruction and what you want me to tell, and I'm just being attacked. I'm just being persecuted. Even my my close friends are turning against me and wanting me to fail, wanting me to fall. But then if I try to leave that and not speak about the Lord anymore, then I've got this fire burning in my bones where I know it's the truth and I have to speak it. I have to tell people it. So it's like a lose-lose situation. Either either my conscience eats me alive or my friends eat me alive um, in this kind of situation. But he still has resolve in verse 11. He says, But the Lord is with me as a dread warrior. Therefore, my persecutors will stumble. They will not overcome me. They will be greatly shamed, for they will not succeed. Their eternal dishonor will never be forgotten. O Lord of hosts who test the righteous, who sees the hearts and minds and the mind, let me see your vengeance upon them for to you I have committed my cause. So even through the emotional distress that Jeremiah has in carrying out this mission that God had given him, he still committed himself to the Lord and and is passionate about that and doing what the Lord expects him to do. And we'll maybe mention briefly at, at the end why Jeremiah feels that way, and why the other, you know, prophets of God felt that way, or why the apostles felt that way, and, and, and what his motivation would be, why would he put himself through all of that? Um, and, And why, you know, would we need to be willing to put ourselves through all of that? But that's one instance where Jeremiah is really, really struggling. And so you can really see I guess, the humanity of Jeremiah and all of that. There's one more, and and I want to read this one because of the Lord's response to it. I think it's really thought-provoking, the Lord's response to Jeremiah's complaint uh, in Jeremiah chapter 12. Um, Jeremiah chapter 12, in verse 1, Jeremiah says, Righteous are you, O Lord, when I complain to you, yet I would plead my case before you. Why does the way of the wicked prosper? Why do all who are treacherous thrive? You plant them and they take root, they grow and produce fruit. You are near in their mouth, but far but far from their heart. But you, O oh Lord, know me. You see me and test my heart toward you. Pull them out like sheep for the slaughter and set them apart for the day of slaughter. How long will the land mourn, and the grass of every field wither? For the evil are for the evil of those who dwell in it, the beasts and the birds are swept away because they said he will not see our latter end. So Jeremiah is situation here is he's, he's confused. Why are the wicked prospering, but me, you know my heart, I'm doing your will, I'm not. <laughs> you know, why is it working in that way? And the Lord's response, again, is not what you would expect for the Lord to say. Um, his response in verse 5 is, if you have raced with men on foot and they have wearied you, how will you compete with horses? And if in a safe land you are so trusting, what will you do in the thicket of the Jordan? So the Lord's response, I, I, I don't know, do you want to put that into, into your own words, Scott, of, of how the Lord responds to Jeremiah's complaint? You think this is bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you think this is bad, just wait, it's going to get a whole lot worse. And we just looked at how it got worse, how it how it progressed in Jeremiah's life. It started with verbal threats progressed to beatings and then thrown in prison until eventually, um, it, you know, it, it just, it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse for Jeremiah. And that's the message that the Lord has. Now that's not a particularly encouraging thing to say to someone who's really struggling um, through that. So through all of that, why would Jeremiah persevere and continue to speak God's message in spite of what the Lord had told him that it would get worse. And in spite of all of the, the things that happened to him, the threats that he received and being thrown in prison, why would he continue to do what the Lord required of him?
1: He believed the message and he believed it was his job to
0: give it. Yeah. Yeah. He, he believed in what the Lord was saying and that it was true and no amount of persecution or pushback was going to change the truth. And so Jeremiah is really admirable in that of, of his commitment to that and what he, you know, uh, is going to con- continue to do regardless of what people tell him. And so just some quick applications, then we can circle back to what uh, you, you mentioned, Scott, um, and maybe talk about a few more things with the time we have left. But um, it, it's our duty to speak the truth to people regardless of how they're going to receive it. And one interesting verse that I'll bring up, because I think this ties in really well, particularly because we're talking about Jeremiah, who is a prophet, in Luke chapter 6, in verse 26, Scott mentioned this in one of his sermons recently. Um, Luke 6, verse 26, Jesus says, Woe to you, when all people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. Um yeah. People didn't speak well of Jeremiah in his day. There were a few people who spoke well of Jeremiah and who who sided themselves with him and who listened to him. But by and large, most of them didn't. They didn't care for Jeremiah. They didn't like him. And it was because he was standing up for the Lord. And in the direction, Scott mentioned the, the example of, of the church in Georgia recently, who were following scriptures and disciplining someone who was refusing to repent. And the response that they got largely from the community and from the media was one of disdain and hate and and attacks and all kinds of different things that were pointed at them because they were following the word of God. That's going to continue to happen in the world and probably going to get worse and worse in our country. And that's the message that Jeremiah receives from the Lord. If you can't handle it right now, when you're just running, you know, a race against men, and you're in a safe place, quote unquote, safe place, how's it going to be whenever you have to race against horses? You know, If you can't build up your endurance and, and grow right now, how can we ever expect to stand up to more severe persecution whenever they start happening? Um, I, I heard recently someone say, in talking about the prophet or the apostles in Acts, in Acts chapter four, they're literally given a court order. They're, they're brought before the Sanhedrin and they're given a court order telling them don't speak in the name of Jesus anymore. And what do they do? They go and continue to speak in the name of Jesus. And they say, if you think that it would be better, it would be better for us to listen to you rather than to listen to God, you be the judge of that. But we're going to keep speaking about the things that we've seen and heard. Now you put yourself in that situation. What if that was you? What if right now, 21st century America, you were brought into a court and they judged and gave you a court order that Scott, you need to stop speaking about Jesus. Here's your court order. The next time it happens, you're gonna be punished for that. Well, that would be really hard to keep speaking about the Lord and keep speaking in the name of Jesus, but what would we need to do? We'd have to do what we gotta do. Yeah, keep speaking in the name of Jesus. Now, we'll think about it in a different spin. How would you respond and, and, and how, how would you persevere? What if there wasn't a court order? What if you didn't have a court order to speak about Jesus? What would you do? Because right now, Scott or me or, or anyone else, there's no court order in America that you can't talk about Jesus. Nobody is, is, is telling you, you know, as of the law, you can't talk about Jesus. So right now, if we can't get out and speak about Jesus and stand up to the minor verbal persecutions, how's it going to be whenever there actually are more severe persecutions? that start coming in. Um, And so the apostles, great example of that, Jeremiah, a great example of of persevering through all of that. And that ties all back into what we spoke about last week on Bible Quest and the last beatitude, where Jesus says in Matthew 5, verse 10, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. If we keep enduring and going through all that persecution and regardless of what people think about us in the world, we're gonna make an impression on people and the Lord is going to bless us, and we're going to receive eternal life. And that was the thing that the apostles held on to. That's what the thing that, that Jeremiah held on to, is this is the Lord's word. This is the truth. And so whether people are going to accept that or not, I'm going to hold on to it because I know of the reward that the Lord will give me. Uh, we got a
1: comment. Patrick says, what does it say about gospel preachers the brethren speak well of today? And, well, it depends. What are they saying? Uh, Paul spoke well of Epaphras. Epaphras was a minister of the gospel. Paul spoke well of Timothy and Titus, but there were probably people speaking well of Diotrephes. There were probably Mm -hmm. people speaking well of the Judaizers and such. And there were probably, you remember those jealous uh, people trying to cause Paul trouble in Philippians one, there were probably in the boasters in second Corinthians, probably Mm -hmm. people that, you know, bought into that and spoke well of them. So it's, it's not, who man approves, but who God approves. In fact, what does yep. Paul say in First Corinthians 4? He said, uh, if I'm judged of you, that's a very small matter. I don't even judge myself. It's God that judges me. Mm-hmm. That's who we need to uh, pay attention to. Yep. Yeah. So go ahead, Jonathan. Then I want to throw out that question if we got time.
0: Yeah, and there was a response to that question. So you can go ahead and say that again, and then I'll, I'll read the response to it.
1: All right. Um, so well, I, I was going to get to the question I mentioned earlier. So you go ahead and then I'll I'll get to the question I threw out earlier.
0: Yeah, that's what I was saying. Dan Dan uh responded to that. So you asked the, the question, um, you know, in what ways can we throw out God's word and and cut it up and throw it into the fire and burn it? Because usually people aren't brazen enough to physically literally do that. But there are other ways that we can do that. And so Dan said, anytime that we read scripture, looking for an excuse, we burn the scroll. We often find what we're looking for. And if we come to the scripture with an agenda, for example, to justify an action or a thought, we often find a verse or verses that allow that behavior, uh, even if we have to twist the meaning to do so. We need to read God's word to see what it says, not if it says what we want it to.
1: Amen. Amen. Uh, You know, in Second Peter talks about the people that will twist the scriptures, and it says there's two types, the unlearned and the unstable. If you don't study your scripture, you're going to end up easily twisting it. But maybe you've studied it, but it doesn't say what you want it to say. So then the question is, do we twist the text to try to fit us, or do we change us to fit the text? That's a crucial difference. Really good point, Dan. And I'll just mention a few real quickly here. So um, one is, I've seen people do this with their study Bibles. You know, they've got a study Bible, and we're talking, discussing, and they've said something. And so I'll call them to ask to read a scripture. And they'll turn and they'll read that scripture. Maybe they've never read it before or paid attention to it. They read it, and maybe their eyes get big. And then they jump down here to the bottom (laughs) where their study Bible says, that doesn't really mean that. <laughs> you well, know, it says it doesn't mean that. Um, it reminds me of the birds that take away the seed. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can do it by uh, finding an excuse, finding, you know, looking for every Greek word and finding one or two of them that somewhere is used in a totally different sense and try to apply that here. You know, like, like horn, you know, uh, a trumpet is a horn and the thing on the end of a rhinoceros is horn. You know, and if you tell me, if I'm out in in Africa and there was a rhinoceros coming up behind me and he's about to gore me, and you said, watch out for that rhinoceros's horn. If I decide I don't want to imagine that I'm really in danger, so I'm going to think about the word horn and imagine that you're warning me about a rhinoceros, you know,
0: playing a, a, a tuba,
1: you know, it's not going to help me. Um uh, we could go ahead.
0: Yeah, There's one from Sandra saying uh, you hear a sermon, and you say, yes, yes. When you hear the preacher taught or what was has been taught, but really it's gone one ear, in one ear and out the other. Yeah. Um, that's another way that we can kind of cut up and, and burn up the word. And that reminds me of what happened to Ezekiel, one of the other prophets. In Ezekiel 33, in verse 30, the Lord says to him, as for you, son of man, your people who talk together about you by the walls and at the doors of the houses and say to one another, each to his brother, come and hear the word of the Lord that comes from him. And they come to you as a people come and they sit before you as my people and they hear what you say, but they will not do it. For with lustful talk in their mouths, they act and their heart is set on their game. And behold, you are to them as one who sings lustful songs and with a beautiful voice and plays well on an instrument for they hear what you say, but they will not do it. And yeah, that's another way of just, you know, you listen, but it doesn't penetrate. You don't allow it to penetrate. That's the whole purpose of listening to God's word. Um, And for for prophets back then, or for preachers today,
1: you're going to be more well-received and more popular if you say what people want you to say. Mm -hmm. And that's, and so in, in, in sanctity, it talks about people having years finding somebody to say what they want said mm-hmm. um there, there's a, all sorts of ways we can do mental gymnastics to try to explain it away but how does the sermon on the mount end he says if you'll hear my words and do them you are like a
0: wise man who built his house on the rock but if you hear my words and don't do them you are like a foolish man built his house on the sand
1: And the flood, i.e. the Babylonians came. (laughs) The great
0: was the flood thereof. Yep. All right. Um, Well, thanks for your discussion with that, Scott. And thank you to our audience for your participation uh, and that with your comments and and questions and thoughts. Um, And uh, wow, um, you think about Jeremiah. He had a a hard life. He had a tough calling, um, but he persevered and he continued to do what the Lord expected him to do. Um, And similarly for us uh it's a it's a big cost to follow jesus jesus says to count the cost and there are going to be a lot of things that you need to be willing to sacrifice and give up in order to follow jesus and we need to make sure that we're the kind of people that are willing to do that so that we can receive the blessing and rewards that have been promised to us as well. So so looking at Jeremiah's example, wow, um, there's a, a lot that I think I need to live up to and prepare myself for, because as of right now, I think I'm in the situation that God describes in Jeremiah 12 of of racing against men and living in a safe place. What's going to happen if that changes? Um, and so, so I think all of us need to think about that. Are we committed enough to be persecuted for righteousness sake? and be blessed like what Jesus says in Matthew 5. Um, so thank you guys for your time today. Uh, to our audience, if anyone has any other questions or thoughts about any Bible topics that you'd like us to discuss on Bible Quest, you can submit those to us at BibleQuest.tv, and we'll be happy to talk about that on our future shows. Um, but that's all that we have for this week, so we'll see you all next Tuesday, Lord willing.